0: What works with social media? Today, I'm going to be joined by Katie Steckley, and we're going to explore how to build an Instagram content strategy that lasts. If you are feeling like, man, I got to create so much content, I'm starting to burn out, and I just need a better way to create really, really good stuff, I think you're going to love today's episode. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. And if you're new to this podcast, which I'm sure many of you are, Be sure to follow this show so you automatically get the latest stuff downloaded right into your podcast player. We have amazing content coming your way. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner, the best of the best So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over this week's interview with Katie Steckley. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Katie Steckley. If you don't know who Katie is, she's an Instagram marketing expert and founder of Creatorly Media, an agency that helps coaches and small business owners convert followers into customers using social media content. She's also host of the Creator Club podcast. Katie, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, today, Katie and I are going to share how to create an Instagram content strategy that stands the test of time. Now, before we go there, I would love to hear your story. How in the world did you get into Instagram? Start wherever you want to start.
1: Yeah, that is a great question. So My story, actually, the beginning of it takes us back many, many years because I started my journey of content creation on social media as a very awkward young preteen. So I was kind of becoming a teenager around the time that social media was really becoming more popular. And I was a bit of a nerdy kid. I grew up in a very small town. I didn't have a ton of friends that kind of shared some of my more niche interests. And so I kind of started exploring social media as a place to find content about the kinds of things that I was interested in. So primarily that was Harry Potter for the nerdy young Katie (laughs) who was looking for friends to talk about the kind of stuff that she was into with. Right. So I found my way onto YouTube and then also at the time blogging was kind of big. So at this point, Instagram wasn't even invented yet, but I sort of found my love of creating content, of being able to connect with other people that shared my interests. And so I became passionate about the idea of having a, a community online. And the way that I accessed that community was by watching other people's content, but also creating my own. So that was kind of my origin story of how I started making videos, how I started creating stuff and sharing it. And then I started my current YouTube channel, which has been a primary part of my business in 2011. So that's over 10 years now, which is kind of hard to believe. Wow! It's really evolved over time. As a creator on YouTube, I really tried so many different things. I've always been a really multi-passionate person and I think a lot of other creators can really relate to this where we love so many different things and we want to be able to create content about all of them or even we like different platforms and want to try creating on YouTube, Instagram, blogging, whatever it is. So I definitely found myself doing a lot of experimenting. I tried everything from vlogging to like commentary videos. So I was really all over the map with creating lots of different social media content on YouTube, blogging, and then of course, Instagram eventually comes along. And I became very intrigued by this photo sharing platform and really started experimenting there as well. And just kind of sharing about my life and again, what I was interested in. But as I started getting older and thinking about like, okay, my undergrad is almost finished. Maybe I want to start considering what a career would look like. I felt really torn because I had all these different passions. I always liked exploring these different topics and I didn't really know what my purpose was meant to be. You know, everybody asks themselves, what's my passion? And I kind of had this realization that even though I had tried all these different things, really the common thread through all of it, was social media. It was creating content. So I kind of realized that that was really what my passion was, was creating stuff for the internet. And then also kind of inspiring other people to do that too, because I had found so much joy in it. So kind of to bring us forward to about 2019. Now that's from 2011 up to almost present. I was experimenting on Instagram, trying different stuff and also making YouTube videos at the same time. And I found that I was getting a lot of questions from just my small community on Instagram. Oh, how did you make that story? Or like, how did you do that editing technique? And so I decided to create a YouTube video to answer some of those questions and to share some of my best tips and tricks. So I made a video called Instagram story hacks. And when I posted the video at the time, my YouTube channel had just about 3000 subscribers. But within a few months of posting that video, the video had brought in over a million views and has now brought my YouTube channel to over 100,000 subscribers and just totally like skyrocketed my social media growth and really brought me to the position I am now and it like helped me discover that, you know, I really did have a lot to share around Instagram and content creation. And it's really helped my channel evolve to the place where it is now, which is basically sharing tips and strategies that I've learned through my own experimentation with my own social media profiles, but also what I've learned from helping to grow my clients' accounts with my agency, Creatorly Media. So that's kind of how I got to where I am now.
0: So tell us a little bit about creatorly media and kind of who your ideal customers are and kind of what you're doing there.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Creatorly Media is a social media content creation agency that I founded. I've got six team members now helping me out as well. And basically what we do is we work with a lot of small business owners, a lot of personal brands, coaches to really help them with their social media content, with their ideal customers and building a community. So we do that through producing podcasts, managing YouTube channels, and also creating Instagram content for them.
0: So let's talk a little bit about why you feel like having a sustainable strategy on Instagram is so important. I know a lot of people struggle keeping up with all the content you know, that they feel like they have to produce on Instagram. And I would love to hear your thoughts on why this is kind of important.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel like a lot of folks in the social media world are overwhelmed by keeping up with all of the content that we need to post. And I think that there's not enough people in the space talking about creating a sustainable Instagram strategy, not just something that is effective. And the reason why creating something sustainable is so important because your strategy on Instagram or any other platform for that matter is only as effective as it is sustainable because you can have the best plan in the world of exactly what content you're going to post, who you're going to reach with it, the hashtags that you're going to use, all of this stuff. But if it's not sustainable, if it's not something that you can actually keep up with and execute on a consistent basis, then it's not going to help you grow.
0: Yeah. Well, and talk to me a little bit about burnout. I don't know if you experienced burnout, but I'm sure during the pandemic, a lot of people did experience burnout. So why is this so important when it comes to burnout?
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel like so many people creating content online are experiencing burnout because of yeah, just how frequently we have to keep up with posting, right? And I definitely have been through it myself. So, I hit a real low point when it comes to burnout, and I feel like beforehand, I didn't even necessarily believe that it existed. People talk about it a lot. It seemed like kind of a buzzword, but then when you feel it, you really, you know, that it's burnout and that it is real. So, after experiencing that myself, that's what really made me realize that creating a sustainable strategy is, is the only way to avoid that. And when you do end up in a place of feeling burnt out or not having that motivation or the creativity that you need to um, create content for Instagram, so I think it just makes sense, even just from a growth strategy perspective that you need to make sure that your plan is something that's sustainable and that it's going to work with you and your own you know mental health in order to keep it going consistently enough for it to actually help you grow.
0: And I hear so many people, for example, at Social Media Marketing World this year, some of the people in the Facebook group were like, hey, you know, we're experiencing burnout. We'd love to talk about burnout a little bit. I don't know. Maybe you can speak to what happened to you. Why do you think particularly a lot of people that are creating content on Instagram are struggling from this?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people creating content on Instagram deal with this because it is such a cycle of you're constantly working on it, right? Like I have always felt like media sleep. Like you always have to keep creating more. There's always next week's content, next month's content to worry about. So it can really feel like you don't have a chance to really take a break and take a breather and and reset, which is so essential. And I think that's part of creating a sustainable strategy is building in those breaks for yourself. So I think that's just the nature of it is that it's so just constant. There's always more to do. So it feels like you could always be working. Yeah. So a lot of people deal with it.
0: Let's talk about your framework. I know you've come up with a model or a framework that will help everyone who's listening that wants to create consistently, at least on Instagram. What are the elements of your framework? Let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so my framework for creating a sustainable Instagram strategy, I have decided I like to call it the KS3, three questions that you need to ask yourself. So I really believe that an ideal sustainable Instagram strategy is going to exist at the intersection of these three areas. So they are number one, what content do you love to make? So what really lights you up? What do you have fun making? And what do you really enjoy creating? And number two, what content performs well on Instagram? So that's kind of the obvious one, right? What kind of posts get the most reach or engagement and conversions for new followers for your account? And the third area or question to ask yourself is what do you have time for? So for this one, it's important that you really think realistically about how much time you have in your day or your week and how long it takes you to create content. And then really the ideal sustainable growth strategy is going to hit on all three of those points. It's going to be where they all overlap. And I think it's really important to ask yourself all three of these because so often we can get focused on just that second question that I mentioned. So, you know, what helps your content perform the best? We all love to see those vanity metrics go up, but I really believe that that is just one third of a strategy that you can actually execute on and implement consistently over the long period of time that is required to see real growth.
0: So what I heard you say is, what content do you love to make? What performs well? And what do you have time for? Well, I guess we're going to break it down a little bit. So you got to love it. You got to have time for it. And then you got to know what works. So what's the benefit of using these three tenets together, right? Like before we dig in, because we're going to dig in on some of this stuff. But how does creating content that you love maybe help address some of the challenges and having time for it. Talk to me about that a little bit at a high level. What's the benefits of this strategy?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that this really speaks to that question of burnout, right? Because we can all like conjure up a strategy of like, okay, what performed the best? But the problem with only focusing on that is that you can really end up on the fast track to burnout if you're just trying to make a huge amount of content or content that's really draining, or maybe you just actually don't have the time for it. So in order to have your strategy be really effective long term, you need to be able to like, implement it over time and be consistent, right? And if you come up with a strategy that you can't actually realistically do consistently, then it's not going to provide the results that you're thinking of. And so those two other elements, the questions of what do you have time for? And what do you really enjoy? Help to address that burnout factor because it ensures that it's actually realistic in your schedule, but that also you have that joy for creating it. Like it doesn't feel super draining. And that kind of brings that energy and creativity that you need in order to put together really effective Instagram content.
0: So I guess let's start with the content we love to make. There's going to be some people right now that don't even make content hardly at all. And so they don't even know how to even start. So how do we know what content we love to make. And I mean, let's assume we've got plenty of people here that are creating content on Instagram, but maybe they're not sure what lights them up or whatever. So what questions should we ask ourselves or what should we be thinking about to know? Because in my mind, I think there's some people that are like, I just love to get exposure on the platform and I'm going to do everything in my power to get exposure. But that's maybe not what really they love. It's just what they want. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about like what you mean by content we really love to make. Let's break it down a little bit.
1: Yeah, totally. So even if we start from the most basic point of like, if you're listening right now and you're feeling like, oh, I don't actually create that much content. Like, how do I know what I enjoy? I think a lot of us really tend to enjoy to create what we enjoy consuming. So like, let's just say if you love to watch reels, then Chances are you might like making them too, because it's just a format that really speaks to you. So I think that can be a really great place to start of thinking, what do you enjoy consuming? And chances are you're going to be a better creator if you've consumed a lot of content in that area, because you're going to understand the trends, the formats, the structures that work well. So that can be a good question to start with of what do I like to consume most?
0: What else do we need to be thinking about when it comes to, you know, figuring out what content we love to make. And I love what you're saying. Like, Hey, if you are actively consuming like stories, for example, you might actually notice certain things and therefore want to give it a shot, but there's gotta be more to it than just like, what do we enjoy consuming? Right? So let's say we are creating different kinds of content. How do we actually know whether we really love it or not? Let's dig into that a little bit.
1: So I think the first step is to really kind of take a step back and think about what your current workflow or process looks like and try to ask yourself, what parts of that do you look forward to and what parts of that? do you kind of dread and maybe procrastinate on a little bit? So really what we're looking at is what do you have the most fun doing when it comes to creating content? So let's just say, for example, we're talking about putting together typical Instagram feed posts, just let's say it's a still image and a caption. When you think about creating that, do you think, oh gosh, I'm so excited to shoot that image and like edit it in Lightroom and really get the colors looking great? Or do you think, I can't wait to sit down and write that caption and like share my thoughts. These are the kinds of questions that you can start with to really hone in on, okay, what pieces of this puzzle really bring joy? What do I really have a lot of creativity for? And that can help you to start identifying what your strengths are and maybe what you are best at when it comes to creating content. Because I think also a lot of times we enjoy doing the things that feel easier for us, right? Like nobody loves to tackle something that like just feels really difficult every time. So a sustainable Instagram strategy can also really lean on what your creative strengths are and what you find just a little more ease in creating, like what you're best at making.
0: I love what you're saying here with the creative strengths, because there are some people that are great at writing captions, right? And there are other people that are much better at just going live and talking, right? And it's kind of like, Which are you, right? Do you prefer to write? Do you prefer to take pictures? Do you prefer to talk directly to a camera, right? That's going to help you, I would imagine, more naturally create content. But I also think there might be a side of this of what lights you up, right? There might be this desire to actually create content that has an impact on others, right? You want to talk about that for a little bit? I would imagine there's some content where you get crickets and maybe you feel horrible creating it. I mean, do you want to talk about that at all?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us probably like reflecting on our strategies, you might find the most joy in creating the content that your community actually responds to really well. And I think sometimes actually there can be a correlation there between what the community responds to and what you enjoy making, because I think that that can really come across. Like people notice if you sort of seem like if you hate going live and then you're doing a live on Instagram it might come across to people that you feel really awkward and you're feeling, you know, like you're dreading doing it. So then your community is probably not going to love that content, but if you just absolutely bat out of the park, every carousel that you make, and you're really putting, you know, love and attention into sharing a lot of valuable info in every graphic, then probably you're going to get more engagement on that because people are going to feel that love and attention that you put into it. So I think that's the other main piece of what content do you love is often that has a correlation to what performs well, because people get that sense that you really care about what you're making.
0: One of the things we were talking about when we met before this was where do you have the most ideas? Do you want to talk about that a little bit and maybe why that might be useful for determining content we should create?
1: Yeah, I think often, you know, when you sit down to plan your Instagram content, let's say for the month, all of us will probably have one area where we find like, okay, I could write down like a million ideas on this. That can be another great sign that this is a type of content that you can lean into. A big part of that is because of how it plays into the sustainability of it, because if you are really trying to force yourself into creating, you know, certain formats of content or certain topics that you just cannot come up with ideas for, then that is going to lead to eventually inconsistency or potentially burnout. So if you can figure out what are the content pillars or the types of formats on Instagram that you always have the most ideas for, then that can definitely be a sign that you should keep that as a part of your strategy because obviously it means that, you know, you enjoy creating it. It's going to feel easier for you to do it, which I feel like this is all sort of about bringing in that joy to your Instagram strategy, because that is going to help you be so much more consistent than if you feel like you're pushing up against a brick wall every time you're trying to create.
0: Okay. So first of all, thank you for all that. And I think that's super helpful. And a lot of people probably are going to need to experiment if they're not super active in creating different kinds of content to just see how it makes them feel right. Like there's endless endless options on Instagram. I mean, I always tell people it seems to be the most creative platform out there because of all the different things you can do. Let's talk about what we need to know about the platform, right? Because the second part of your KS3, and that's a bit of a tongue twister strategy is what performs well, right? So as of this recording and, you know, spring of 2022, what do we need to know specifically about what kinds of content perform decently well on Instagram today?
1: Yeah, exactly. This is everybody's favorite question, right? What is performing well on Instagram? What is going to get me that engagement and reach that I'm looking for? And I think before I dive in, because I do have a number of tips and ideas to share, but before we get into the specifics, I think that it is important to note that ultimately this is going to look a little bit different for every audience, just because it works for one person one account doesn't mean that it'll necessarily work exactly the same way for everybody else. And that's why it's so important to have a really clear sense of who your ideal follower is, your ideal customer is, what kind of content they like and are looking for on Instagram. And then it's also just important to experiment, try out all the different things I'm about to share and gather your own data and see what works for you. Because just because, you know, I could report and say, Oh yeah, these three types of posts work really well for me. Well, your audience, you know, or your community might be different than mine. So it's important that everybody does their own experimentation and gathers their own info. But that being said, there are a few formats that I've been observing with my own platform and with uh, my clients' platforms that work really well in spring of 2022. So you ready for me to dive in, Mike?
0: Let's do it.
1: Okay, perfect. So the first thing on my list is probably not going to be surprising to anybody. Reels continue to be a really, really effective way to increase your reach and find new audience members. And that's really the power of Reels is that they have a huge amount of discoverability, a level of discoverability that we really haven't seen on Instagram until they released Reels because Reels are shown to users who might not be following you yet. Reels feed is organized by what Instagram has identified as your interests or topics that you're interested in. And so they're gonna show you that content Based on those interests, not necessarily based on your following list, right? So, this can be a really great opportunity for smaller accounts to get in front of new audiences. There's a few main kind of formats that are working really well on reels these days. So, obviously, following any trends can be really effective. So, there's always trending audios, whether those are little music clips that you can dance along to, or whether they're sound bites like from a movie or a TV show that you can do a little lip sync to, and then add text that's applicable to your audience or your niche. Those are always very effective. But increasingly, more recently on Reels, we've seen just a style of talking to camera videos kind of performing well. So this is something that I've really seen kind of migrating. Over on TikTok, we've had longer videos for a little while, whereas Instagram is just kind of starting to bring in longer Reels. And I think with that increased time, we're seeing more and more people just hold up their phone and share an idea tips and tricks just talking to their camera and that can perform really well on reels as well and then of course tutorials tutorials can be a really effective way to reach your ideal follower and solve a problem for them so definitely creating some kind of tutorial in a real format is a great idea to add to your instagram strategy
0: yeah real quick question on reels talking to camera Mm -hmm. how is that any different than what we might do with IG video. Just help me understand because I'm thinking it sounds very, very similar. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I definitely think that. It is quite similar. I think there's a few nuances of ways that I would recommend approaching creating just a talking to camera reel that would be a little bit different than say what you would share in just a regular feed video or even on stories. And that is really focusing on grabbing the attention of someone who has no idea who you are. Uh, That is the main thing about reels is that, you know, when you post a story, when you post something on your feed, you are kind of posting for more or less sympathetic audience, somebody that knows you and they're like, oh, you know, that's Mike. I'm excited to see his face. I know he's going to share something valuable, right? But somebody on Reels maybe has never, ever seen you before and they don't have that trust built up with you. So that's why it's important when you're making a talking to camera Reel that in that first like two or three seconds, you say, you know, something that really hooks them in, something that really teases the value that you're going to offer. And then you deliver on that quite quickly. So I would just recommend keeping in mind the final audience and how you differentiate your approach there. With Reels, it's always like, cold audience. They have no idea who you are. Assume that they've never seen your face before and then figure out what you need to say in order to get them to be interested in what you're talking about.
0: This is kind of fascinating. And how long as of today can we do reels? Is it 60 seconds or has it gone up? I'm trying to remember.
1: Yeah, I believe they're just still one minute long, but it definitely wouldn't surprise me if we get three minute reels because we've been seeing Adam Mossery share longer reels than 60 seconds.
0: Oh, really? Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. So when we're talking to camera and we're specifically creating content, I like what you said about, I mean, I'm implying you said this, that we should act as if they've never heard of you before, right? And it doesn't mean you should say who you are. Hey, everybody, I'm Mike Stelsner, founder of Social Media Examiner. Nope, that takes too long, right? So get right into the goods. And I would imagine if you do have 60 seconds at the very end, you could include something? And do you recommend doing that or not? I mean, or do you just never recommend having any kind of call to action in these reels?
1: Yeah, I think it can be effective to throw some text up on the screen at the end that says, you know, follow me for more tips. Or sometimes if I do have the extra time at the end of my reels, I'll say, follow me for more Instagram tips or whatever. But I really think that ultimately the content can speak for itself. If you're creating something that is really engaging and interesting and valuable, I think people will go ahead and follow you, even if you don't remind them to, at least in like in the reels context.
0: Okay, perfect. So you were about to go on with some other kinds of content. Feel free to keep going.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that kind of is the reels approach for right now. There's a few other main formats that I think are really effective. So one of those is graphic carousels. So basically the format is educational, valuable, graphics with text on them that are highly shareable. And it really is answering a question or solving a problem for your audience. And I think in terms of, you know, like other notes on format, like minimalist design, I think these can be really effective because they address concerns or or questions that your existing audience has, but they also are shareable. It's something that you know, one of your audience members can press the little share button on and share it to their Instagram story, which basically just gets you more organic reach. It allows their audience to discover you through the graphic that was, you know, shared to your follower story. And I find that they also are quite effective at showing up on the explore page for at least on my account. I noticed that this type of post graphic carousels, Get a lot more reach that is to non followers. So obviously, the more reach you can get to non followers, the more potential new followers you can get.
0: So on these carousels, these graphical carousels, do you have any examples of ones you've seen or ones you've done just maybe you could describe them with words so people could visualize what you mean by the minimal design and maybe how they're using them together?
1: Yeah, totally. So I can give a few examples of ones that have been effective on my own profile. So I made one a couple weeks back that just imagine like basically a beige background with some, you know, dark gray text that says all of the new features Instagram ad in 2022 explained. And then if you swipe to the next slide and, and all the following slides on each one, I have just a little screenshot of what that new Instagram feature looks like, and then a bit of text explaining what it is. So, oh, you know, we've got live badges to, you know, let people know that you've got a new Instagram live coming up in your profile and then swipe to the next one. Oh, Instagram story likes. That's a new feature, etc. So that was really effective for me because people are always curious about the new features being released on Instagram. And it was just very straight. To the point, as you scroll through, you get the information that you need, and then it's very easy to either save that or share it. So that kind of stuff, that's almost like a list article of information that you can share that obviously is relevant to your niche.
0: You know how sometimes Instagram, if you don't engage with it, will show you another version in the carousel have you ever experienced that when you're scrolling through instagram and you see it again but it's a different image Mm -hmm. i would think this could screw up kind of your strategy right because if you have a cool little something with an arrow and you're trying to get them to go to the next one and then instagram decides to show them the third one do you have any tips on how to create it so it's still valuable even if they don't get the first one Do you understand what i'm asking here
1: Yeah, no, I totally hear you. Like if you don't like it the first time, the next time you see it in your feed, you might get like, you know, the third image in the carousel. So I think that in general, I don't worry about that too much because I design each of the graphic carousel slides to really speak for themselves and to provide value whether or not you've seen the others. So even if you don't necessarily know that the title of it was, you know, all the new features Instagram added in 2022, if you see a new slide that is explaining, you know, what story less is, you know, that can be helpful in and of itself. And I also think that ensuring that each of your slides can be standalone makes them more effective when they're shared to stories as well. Because if someone shares your carousel to their Instagram story, they're only going to be able to preview one of those images, right? So if you can make sure that each of those images kind of make sense out of context, then that's just going to help you make them even more effective.
0: Do you have a number of, I don't know what they call the carousel sections, slides or whatever? I mean, do you, normally suggest a certain quantity of them. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I would suggest creating as many slides as you need to tell your story succinctly. So I really don't think that there's a magic number. I know some people think, oh, if you use all 10, then it'll perform better. I really don't think that's true. I think that you need to share as many slides as necessary to get your point across in a way that is detailed enough, but also succinct so that it's consumable. So I think whether, you know, that's two slides or seven, they can be equally effective depending on the content you're sharing.
0: Okay. So we've talked about reels and we've talked about carousels. Is there anything else that seem to perform well?
1: Totally. I've got more for you.
0: Okay. Let's hear it.
1: So the next type of content I'd suggest trying out is memes. So I feel like over the past, year or two years we've really seen memes kind of grow in popularity on instagram so what i mean by that is content that is sometimes a graphic so maybe like partially a gif with like a funny caption on top of it or a video clip from like a tv show with some text popping up that sort of makes a joke about it like in the context of your niche so in general pop culture references content that's really shareable or or funny or relatable can be really effective. And the great news for social media managers is that this kind of thing can be so quick and fun to make. It doesn't require all the effort and time that say like filming a reel or like shooting your own photos would take. But I think that the catch here is it's so important to have a really clear idea of who your ideal audience is so that you know what kind of pop culture references might be relevant for them. Because if you miss the mark on that, it's not going to be effective. You need to make sure that you're referencing something that they'll actually understand. But when you do, I feel like it can be so effective because it's funny. So like you get lots of great comments, but you also get people sharing it to their stories, which can help with your organic reach.
0: Fascinatingly enough, we have not covered memes very often on this podcast that I can recall. What do we need to know when we're sharing memes on like a professional or business account or whatever they call it on Instagram? I mean, any thoughts that we need to know about like using images that might include famous people or anything like that? Like what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. So I think that especially if you're pulling content from say like the GIF library that you can find in Instagram stories, that sort of thing, like you can feel pretty confident about sharing that. And certainly I'm no legal expert when it comes to copyright or all of that stuff. But what I do know is what the industry standards are. And there's many, you know, business accounts sharing this type of content, you know, so it, it definitely is part of the culture on Instagram. And I think everybody has to decide what makes sense for your own business, if feels appropriate to make pop culture references or not, it's totally up to you and what your audience is expecting. But definitely like Instagram gives us access to, you know, gifts of celebrities or whatever right inside Instagram stories.
0: Well, and while you were talking, I looked this up. Facebook did buy Giphy in 2020 Mm -hmm. for $315 million. So my guess is Facebook's not going to care if you use images that are sourced from Giphy. Yeah. (laughs) Just because they paid the money, you know what I mean? To have it on the platform. Mm -hmm. Any do's or don'ts on memes. I don't know how many of them my audience has done this before. Like, do you have any tips on how to create good ones or what to avoid or whatever?
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, it really is an art form. Like it's something that takes a lot of practice to understand just like any kind of comedy to understand like the timing or like how long you want each of your captions to be. So I think the best thing that you can do is start by finding pages in your niche that are sharing that kind of content and sort of see just like consume a ton of examples, because that'll kind of start to give you a sense of of how people format them. And then I think that paired with a really, really deep understanding of who you're speaking to, like who your audience is, that's going to be that magical combination to figure out what will work well when it comes to memes. And I think the other thing too, is you can be creative with them. You don't have to feel like you need to make pop culture references. For some of my clients, we've actually used images of like, the founder of the the small business and then like added little funny captions to that. So you can make a meme out of yourself as well. It doesn't have to be, you know, an image of a, a celebrity or whatever. So there's lots of different creative ways that you can use this format to create something fun and shareable for your audience.
0: I don't know if you have any more, but I know we talked about reels. We talked about carousels and we talked about memes. You got any more in there, Katie?
1: <laughs> yes, I do. I've got two and I'll, I'll try to keep them quick. So the first is it's kind of a variation on memes, but tweet graphics. So we've probably all seen this is kind of like taken over Instagram over the past couple of years. And that is basically a quick, witty, like maybe a hot take, something that's short and sweet. And it's formatted as if it looks like it's a screenshot of a tweet. Sometimes it actually is, but there's also all kinds of like Canva templates that you can find that make it look like it's a tweet. And this is just a really terrible format consumable, easy to throw up on your Instagram story, if it's something that you connect with and and agree with. So that can be a really great way to share even like a quote from a podcast or just a thought that you have about your industry that might be relatable to your audience. So tweet graphics in general can be really, really effective. And then my last piece of content suggestion is photos with longer captions which might be a surprise to some because I feel like some people feel like photos are dead on Instagram but that's definitely not been my experience with my content over the past couple months So for me it's like sharing photos of myself with a longer caption that is a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more personal that can really connect with your audience I've found to also be an effective format.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about this because I do see for example in my feed uh, Billy Jean, who is a marketer who happens to be a local marketer here in San Diego, but he's pretty well known. He tends to share all sorts of pictures of his daughter when she was a baby saying, you know, the entrepreneurial life, you know, and the don't want your kids to grow up too fast and just all these kind of things, right? Where it almost looks like it's not a marketing post, but he advertises them that way as ads. You know what I mean? And you almost like don't realize that you're not just reading someone's update, That seems to be pretty powerful and it seems to be hearkening back to earlier where we talked about like if you're really good at writing captions and telling stories, this can be very powerful, right? Why does this work? Why being vulnerable with your content? Why is this potentially a strategy that actually seems to have an impact?
1: Yeah, and it is so effective and I really think that it comes down to the fact that you are building trust with your audience. You know, like it can feel... Obviously, scary to share something that's sort of personal, or maybe you're insecure about, or you don't, you know, normally want to share with the public, or whatever. And I think that audiences can really sense that. They sense that it is something that is maybe difficult to talk about, or you know, it's personal to you. And people appreciate that openness and that vulnerability, and it allows you to share a little bit more of your personality. And yeah, really build up that sense of connection and trust with your audience. So then when you share other types of formats, like for example, reels or or other, you know, you show up on stories or whatever, they feel more connected with you because they've seen that photo of your face with something that, that feels quite personal that they've read. So it really just builds up that personal connection and trust.
0: Okay. So up to this point, we've talked about creating content that you love. And then we've talked about creating content that performs well right? Which is what we've just been talking about with reels and carousels and memes and tweet graphics and photos with longer captions that may or may not be vulnerable. The last part is, is time. But before we go to how do we make time, the overarching theme of this is to create content that lasts, right? Sustainable content. Is the sustainable part of this what we're about to talk about next? Help me understand, like, where does the sustainable thread fit into all of this?
1: Exactly. So really, I would say the first bit that we talked about, about what you love, and then also making time for content is what makes it sustainable. So when I say a sustainable Instagram strategy, I mean, a strategy that you can plan now and put in place and continue to repeat and execute for weeks, months, potentially years to come, because I really believe that Instagram growth is about a slow and steady organic approach. I mean, sure, some people blow up overnight with, you know, a viral reel or something. But the reality for most of us is that we're going to plug away creating high value content for our audiences for quite a while before we see that organic growth start to snowball and we get a larger audience. So at the end of the day, if you really truly want to see growth for your account, you're going to need to make a plan and continue to execute on that plan over the long term. I really believe that growing on Instagram is about being consistent and persistent. You can't give up when you don't see immediate crazy results. You've got to keep pushing forward. And so that's why it's so important to find a strategy where you enjoy creating that type of content. You know that it's getting you those results, even if it's slow and steady results. And then you know it's something that you actually have time for because it means that you will actually continue to do it. Because I feel like so many people, they kind of flirt with the latest trends, try this out, try that out. But if you can put together an effective strategy that is also something that you can sustainably commit to and continue executing on over time, that's what sustainability on Instagram is all about to me.
0: Do you have any tips on how we can make time to create content? Because obviously I know the word make time is kind of an oxymoron. You can't really make time, but you know, how can we be better with our time so that we have time to make content?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I am all about time management, time blocking and figuring out how you can make it fit. So I think the first thing to do is to look at your calendar and do a little bit of self-reflection. Figure out where you're spending time. It can be effective to use a time tracker app and kind of log your, you know, content creation time for maybe a week or whatever as an experiment to see how long it takes you to do certain things because ultimately after we've gone through our kind of past two steps of figuring out what we like to make and what performs well we might have all kinds of ideas of stuff that we want to add to the list you need to figure out before you start adding to the list you know what takes time right now what can you add what do you have to eliminate in order to make that time for adding in this new piece to your strategy because you have to remember all this stuff really does take time like making a reel or designing a graphic carousel all of this adds up So it's important to create a plan and a schedule before you just tack them onto your strategy, because that is going to be a total enemy to consistency. If you tell yourself, oh, yeah, I'm going to make like five reels this week. Well, that might not actually be reasonable. So it's important to look through your schedule. First of all, figure out where you're currently spending time. And then you can kind of go from there in terms of making a plan.
0: Awesome. Katie, if people want to make time, (laughs) set aside time to connect with you and to discover more about all the great stuff that you've got going on. You see what I did there? And by the way, we thank everyone for the time that they spent with us today. But I know some people are going to want to go deeper. I know some people are going to want to reach out to you. Where do you want to send them if they want to discover more?
1: Yeah. So I've actually compiled a bunch of resources for your listeners, including some extra bonus tips about how to hone in on your specific strategy, plus my own content creation routine and how I build habits around Instagram content creation that can help you with your time management to make a real sustainable Instagram strategy. So you can find all of that great stuff totally for free on my website at katiesteckley.com slash SME. So you can find it all there and I'm really, really excited to share it with you all.
0: Cool, and why don't you spell Steckley just so everybody knows how to spell that.
1: Yep, so it is spelled S T E. CKLY.
0: Katie Stackley, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 510. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelsner on Instagram. This leads us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast.